they don't they don't post on Instagram. They don't run their mouths. They're out, they're out there killing, man. <laughs> Hey, Adam, before we get started, let's don't forget to mention our sponsors. Yeah, the guys who helped bring this podcast. We couldn't do it without them. I guess we could, but it makes it a lot easier, you know? That's right. Shin Gear, waterfowl equipment that's built better. Made by waterfowlers for waterfowlers. Go get you some Shin Gear. Miss Melissa at Duck Dog Clothing. For all your Duck Dog Clothing needs, podcast gear, check out Melissa. Our website at Duck Dog Clothing. Dropbox, go in, buy a t-shirt or a hat, supports us. We appreciate it. Don't forget your wet mud mats and your Kong bumpers. And if you're not Kong, Jim, you're wrong. Soggy Dog Gear, SoggyDogGear.com. Oh, Doug over there at Soggy Dog, he's a dog man. For all your dog training equipment, he's got it there. Go to SoggyDogGear.com. Be sure on your flat collars to use the discount code, the doghouse, to get your discount on your flat collars. G&G Motors. Columbia, Kentucky. See Chaz Giles for all your large, small, new and used tractors. Chaz Giles at GNG Motors, Columbia, Kentucky. Guys, don't forget to check out Tetra, the hearing system that works. Tetra, hear the hunt. Hear the hunt. The Sullivan family has been with us a long time, guys. It's no longer Sullivan Motors. It's Sullivan Kirk Automotive. Sullivan Kirk outfitters for your lift kits and etc etc also new and used vehicles those guys have supported us a long time we'd appreciate it if you support them all right everybody welcome back to another episode of the doghouse podcast been been a few days or a week or two since i've done a hunting episode but um Come in tonight, I got one of my buddies on that, um, we haven't been buddies long, but I tell you, he's one of those guys you just, um, you fall in love with real fast, you become friends with real fast, and you just see his heart, see he's a good guy, and he loves people almost as much as he loves ducks. Brother Keith Allen, what's up, baby? How you doing, man? <laughs> Was that pretty close? I, I, I nailed it, didn't I? I think you did. I tell you. <laughs> You know, we've been we we've both been at this a number of years, and it's amazing how when you see some, as you said someone's heart for duck hunting and for dogs and for these things, you already know a whole lot about them, right? I mean, you know you know their family life, their financial life, you know all of those <laughs> things instantly when you figure out, oh, it's one of my kind right here. So that's why that kindred spirit is there. So. I can tell you your life story, and I've never even heard it, my friend. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty easy to pin down. I tell you, if you if you're indeed one of our kind, you know, because right. we broke. That's right. No matter, you know, uh, my buddy Leland says this all the time. Duck hunters are all the same. All right, we all spend the same percentage of our money on what we do, whether it's That's right. you know whether it's a million all dollars or. or <laughs> Twenty five hundred dollars. The percentage is the same. <laughs> That's right. All of it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, and our and we we joke about our wives and sneaking around. They know it. They know every dime we spend. <laughs> but they know how sincere and genuine the passion for it is. And 
and uh heck my wife she's proud of it actually she won't act like it, but she is yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I, I love it i love yep. it all right so let's start out by just saying all right who's keith allen and where you where'd you grow up you know go back to you know let's tell your story yeah well i'll try to make it as brief as possible uh Mine is a life of chasing ducks. I mean, that's the short story. No kidding. Uh, even my, my professional life, my, my family life, it is always revolved around it, good and bad. <laughs> even, you know, I've never thought about this, but even my church life, my folks, my, my folks at church know they don't see me in the winter and that may be <laughs> right or wrong, but they know I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway, on on November first, nineteen eighty, I'm fifty three years old right now. So I was ten years old, November first, nineteen eighty. My dad and his brother, my uncle Steve, and my grandfather Clyde Laxton took me as a ten year old boy duck hunting. And my uncle Steve grew up at the confluence of the Missouri and Mississippi rivers. Now think about that. He grew up in West Alton, Missouri, which is right across from Alton, Illinois, in a little village that is, was decimated and is no longer exists as of 1993. They did national uh, broadcasts from national news, did broadcasts from West Alton. My uncle grew up at the confluence of the Missouri and Mississippi rivers, and he taught me to duck hunt. And on November 1st, 1980, they set me on top of a blind at Duck Creek Conservation Area in my native Boot Hill of Missouri, southeast Missouri. Mm -hmm. And I watched my uncle use a duck call. And, man, I could get emotional right here at the onset thinking about it because it has affected my whole life to watch those ducks land and respond to the duck call. Has me sitting here about half crying 40 years later. <laughs> Is that, Adam? <laughs> that is awesome. So that is the day you became a duck addict. A duck nut, a duck bum. That's all I knew. <laughs> I mean, it's all I knew I wanted to do. I didn't have any concept at the time. There was no money in it. There's no way to make a living doing it. But I knew that's all I wanted to do. And 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 yeah. And so I set out to to learn the duck call because that's how I associated being successful. Uh, as a young person, you know, it was instilled in me because my dad was not a duck caller and still is not. Uh, it was instilled in me uh, that the, if you, the better you could call, the more successful you'll, you'll be. And that set me out on a mission to be the baddest at duck calling I could be. And then that led me to get into uh, contest calling as an adult later in life uh, in my 20s. And, and success in the, in the calling industry at the world championship and everything it ended up getting me in the waterfowl industry. I got a job working for Avery Outdoors. And then ultimately I was the first paid employee for Banded when that company started. And, and then our, we had a, my, my, my wife and I had our daughter, Lucy. Uh, she was born in 2009. And when she got to be about three years old and I'm, and I'm over in China making duck calls for Banded, and she would start talking to me, Dad, you need to get home. Well, Adam, you know what I needed to do then. I needed to get home. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and so I had fit in 
somehow within all of this in my lifetime, I had fit in going to law school. Uh, and I had never really practiced law. I, I did briefly, but my wife got drawn for a New Mexico elk tag. So I just quit. <laughs> I just quit a lawyering job and went elk hunting <laughs> in New Mexico and we killed a bull. And then that's when I got, got a job with, with Avery and I was guiding, uh, with a buddy of mine back then in New Madrid, Missouri on ground that right, that, that adjoins where Eric Reinhardt, where you've hunted at Eagle's Nest. We guided mm-hmm. a big farm right next to it for years. And, you know, so there, I've done a lot of things in my life, but it, I don't know if I've lived a day really, especially in the last 25 or 30 years that in some way it didn't revolve around duck hunting. Like I've, I've even thought about it. I'll sit in the dentist's office sometimes and my dentist is a, is a duck hunting buddy of mine. It's like everything in my life. And you're the same way, Adam. That's why we've instantly become close friends, but. But, you know, I, I'll, I can answer any specific questions, but in general, uh, that's what happened. I, I, I fell in love with, with duck hunting, ultimately duck calling, and, and you know, that's, that's, that's all I've done, really. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> incredible. Dig more into that story about um, the elk, because you've told me before, it's, really, it's a really cool story. Yeah. So, you and your wife went. Yeah, so – my i had met an outfitter uh we were at a show one time with our our duck hunting guide service and we're set up next to this outfitter out of arizona and they kind of got us on what units to draw for out there and the first year my wife drew and this is before we had lucy right so she and i were just hunting buddies back then she's she's killed a lot of deer with her bow she's a big time was back then now she's a mama but then she was a killer and uh and I'm proud of that, but, but she, she wanted to kill an elk. And so we drew in her first year, she got drawn in the Gila of New Mexico. And I had just gotten out of law school, had a, had a, a lawyer job that was perfect for me because it allowed me to be, uh, off of work during the winter. So I was able to, to guide during the winter. And when she got drawn and my boss at that time was a good friend of mine, still is. And I straight up told him, I said, man, I said, here's the deal. You know, uh, as, as your employee, uh, I'm telling you that, that, that I've, I've got to be out of work for 14 days. And as your attorney, I'm telling you that you need to fire me (laughs) 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 because I had to go. I mean, there's nothing else I could do, but it was a once in a lifetime tag. And so she, and I, two swamp kids from southeast Missouri, set out to go kill a bull elk in New Mexico with a bow. And uh, we did it, man. On day four, she I called a bull up. It was 25 yards, and she smoked it, and it's hanging out in our man cave now. So it's, it's, it's a good deal. So, I, yeah, I quit a lawyer job to go elk hunting. <laughs> but when I got done elk hunting, when we got back from the trip, we were, it was the, it was October. So it was the time of year to begin, uh, seriously choring for that upcoming duck season. And when duck season was over, then I got it. That's when I began working for Avery outdoors as a sales rep in the Southeast. So I would go to Alabama and Georgia and go to all the sporting goods stores and sell duck decoys. And, and, you know, I, I was in the industry then. Right where you, <clears throat> right where you belonged. That's right. That's right. <laughs> all right. So, you know, you went on that first duck hunt. Talk about growing up 
you know, where'd you beat the bushes looking for ducks? And, and, and I, as you grew as a duck hunter, you know, talk about, you know, just that experience yeah. of growing up so, and, and learning to chase them and whatnot. Yeah. So in Missouri, it's a unique state. You know, a, a lot of people know that along the flyway, it, geographically, it's well situated, you know, and everybody knows, especially at Hunts, Arkansas, that Missouri's strong. But the reason people actually don't come to Missouri much is because most of our hunting is, is on conservation areas. Uh, what in Arkansas and elsewhere they call WMAs. Here we call them conservation areas. Mm-hmm. And in Missouri, it's all draw hunting, daily draws. It, and, and that's a whole another topic. We could do a whole podcast on, on, on why that is and why that is where I believe Arkansas is probably going. Not that anybody desires the draw, and I wouldn't advocate for it. We hate the draw. My dad draws every day and of the season, and he's he's gotten to hunt, I guess, four times this year in three weeks. You imagine drawing daily, uh, almost 20 days. Well, I guess he has drawn 20 days now, and he's got he's gotten drawn and hunted <clears throat> four times. So, But that's a side note. So that's how we grew up hunting. Of course, back then, you could get out every day. You wouldn't necessarily get a great spot. But I grew up hunting primarily a local conservation area called Duck Creek. That's the pl- first place I ever hunted. And I now still to this day have a duck camp. That's where my duck camp is there adjoining the prop- the boundary of Duck Creek Conservation Area. It's flooded timber. It's magic. There's no better place in Arkansas or on earth than that place. But the reason I don't mind saying it publicly is because it, it will forevermore be limited from people coming and utilizing it because it's controlled by a daily draw and you'd be an absolute fool to drive from Alabama from where you're from tomorrow morning in hopes of hunting there because there's a you know, there's only a twenty percent chance that you'll get drawn. And if you don't get drawn, then you're just sitting there. So so that's where that's how where I cut my teeth, hunting in the woods, uh public woods. And then when I, I got to be, when I got out of high school and, and actually got out of college, I, I began hunting at Big Lake in Arkansas. And that's when really when it, I caught fire because I realized that I could use my passion to figure them out daily. It, it's, hard for, it's hard for people to imagine how great a privilege it is to just show up at a place and be able to hunt, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, 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 it is, it's unbelievable. And when I discovered that in the 90s in Arkansas, we didn't have the pressure problems that we have now. Uh, and, and I mean, it was the golden age in, in the woods in the 90s because you had the boom uh, of water in the early 90s, you know, the rains. It, it, it was a period of about 10 years of El Nino is what it was. And, and you had some crazy water, and so the limits went from two mallards to four mallards. Uh, the seasons went from 30 days to 60 days. And, th- and there's a big percentage of current hunters, Adam, that don't realize that those 90s, that, that boom in water, just the rain and the, the, the prairie conditions and the, the breeding populations created, in essence, an industry and even affects your industry. Uh, right. I mean, without a crazy waterfowling industry, there's not even a demand for a dog to go get a duck. I mean, it's 
we don't realize that there was no waterfowl industry in 1990. There was no company that sold waterfowl equipment. <laughs> it's hard to fathom, you know? Yeah. There, this <laughs> industry was created by the very thing that, in, in my opinion, has created our problems with hunting, and that is liberal limits and liberal season length which results in way too much gunfire. And that is our problem. That's our problem right there. So, but we can't dog it because it created an industry for us. Right. We've got to, we've got to realize it and learn to preserve it and to be smarter with it. And, and quite honestly, we've, we've got to cut out the ugliness of, of human character that can, that can come out when we have a good thing you ever be have you ever been in a deer club where there, uh, somebody hears about a nice deer otherwise awesome people can turn into monsters <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean it's like where they're they're truly grim uh, uh, grim people <laughs> like, you're like man i thought that was a good guy and and, and that's in, in a lot of ways in a lot of ways there's a, a a, almost a darkness now at our WMAs with how we treat one another at the rants, everything that man, if there's anything we could influence and change, uh, Adam, just as good folks that love, uh, the sport and, and love the opportunity for our children to, to be able to see what we love. That's what we need to change is just to really realize that this is a, a, a goose that lays a golden egg for us, right? <laughs> Absolutely. We got to treat it better and treat each other better. But, but yeah, that, that the waterfowl industry was created uh, in the 90s and, and, and in those boom years. And that's when I really, just like a lot of folks, really, it was just the perfect time to be a duck hunter. Because there was a lot of public ground to hunt, and there were a lot of ducks, and 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 there was very little pressure. And we learned it, and we sound like old men when these younger guys hear us talking about, it. you know, for, uh, the, all those videos that Kirk McCullough puts out, and 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 and, and all that stuff. I mean, that was. I mean, <laughs> That's how we all were experiencing the woods. It was crazy, That's but wild. you can learn so much and become so skilled. When day after day after day, you're able to have opportunities uh, with ducks in the woods, and 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 it's a it, it it's a skill uh, that I'm thankful to have, and thankful that I lived in a time when you could really acquire it. Because now, you know, it's like those opportunities are sparse enough. It's kind of like who wants to be a musky fisherman? Like God Almighty, you only get one bite a day. How do you even figure it out if you're doing it right? You, know I mean? you don't get enough bites, right? You don't get enough opportunities, <laughs> right? So, so that, that 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 it was a great time to to uh, to learn it, and then so I kind of got a name for myself for for in contest calling in the '90s, and then you know the hunting experience. Uh, and so I started guiding with, uh, my friend Kent Cullum and Charles Petty and Nathan Jones out of Jonesboro for a number of years. And then that, that evolved into, uh, mine and, uh, my, my oldest buddy, Christian Curtis, he and I got a guide service in New Madrid, Missouri, where we were there for eight years. 
And, and, you know, it's just, man, it's just a life of chasing ducks, man. So that, that's, yeah, so I, you know, in, in, in the boot hill, you're talking about how did I come up and how we hunted and, you know, so I started drawing, drawing at conservation areas and then, uh, developed into hunting the woods in Arkansas. And then when you're guiding, you're hunting a lot of fields and we hunt a lot of fields, but, but actually in, in Missouri, where I'm from, I live on the Mississippi river. The only really good non-draw public hunting is when the backwater's up, when the river's up. And so I come actually from a culture of boat blind hunting. And so that's something I've not mentioned. A lot of people don't know, don't know that. But when I'm fun hunting, you know, just with buddies and my dad in Missouri, uh, that that's that's primarily what we do. And we haven't had a river in like three years. So we have not done that in, in two or three years. But that's that's how we roll, man. Get up in the <laughs> willows with pop-up blinds and and some of the most savvy die hard riverman duck hunters there are are in the boot hill of Missouri around New Matter, Missouri, and, and Western Tennessee. I'm telling you, some of the best duck hunters I've ever seen are in Western Tennessee, and you don't ever hear that. Those suckers, they're, they're rivermen. They're, they're, they're good with boats and just, I don't know, man. Them guys are killers. I love them West Tennessee duck hunters. <laughs> they, don't, they don't post on Instagram. They don't run their mouths. They're, right, they're out there killing, man. <laughs> they ain't got time for the rest of that crap, do they? That's right, man. I love them West Tennessee duck hunters. <laughs> I love it. You talk about um, you, you got a lot of opportunity to learn to call and to work ducks because there was a lot of opportunity. We yeah. can sit and talk about it all you want, but it's kind of like a duck dog. Until they get out there and get under ducks, they can't. They don't get good at it. That, that's right. And that's the same right. thing for the calling, right? Working ducks is such – you know, we can talk about it, and I love to talk about it. You know this, Adam. I can sit and philosophize on working duck and I'll bring a duck call all night. I've done it many times with many friends. There, I, I've, I've sat around with Jimbo Ronquest when we've been at events and duck calling contests. We'd sit up all night, like all night long, literally till daylight, just talking about, well, what do you think about this, you know, with calling stuff. So I love it. And you've done the same thing with dog training. But there are things, Adam, about dog training that 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 you actually do, and when you're working a dog, handling dog, that you actually cannot teach. It's a feeling. It's mm -hmm. an instinct that only comes from hours and hours and hours. And you know, it's really neat. You'd never brag or talk about that, but that's gratifying when you spend time doing something and you know you have as close as you can mastered it that's a gratifying thing to me and and I, there's a lot that there's a lot's going on when i'm working ducks that i really it's instinct and re, and you know you you hear the term reading ducks well what does that even mean well that's exactly what it means there's just no way to describe how to do it you know <laughs> you, you know what i'm saying it's it's like it's like your spouse man i mean you know what your bride is thinking before she even says it, right? Just her posture, everything when you walk indoors. And that's how I am with a mallard duck. I can tell how that sucker's acting if he wants me to shut up or give him more, right? right. <laughs> and and it's such a beautiful thing, man. Calling ducks, working ducks, fooling ducks with a duck call is what duck hunting is to me. It it 
if 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 someone thinks that marksmanship is what duck hunting is about, in other words, how far you can shoot them or how well you shoot, you know, I need to practice. In my opinion, they've missed the beauty of what this game's about. This game is about figuring out how silly easy a shot you can make. (laughs) Absolutely. Right there. That's what this game. That's what this game is about. I mean, when, and that's when it's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful when it's about like shooting a bucket off a fence post <laughs> at 15 <laughs> yards. <laughs> that's when this game is right. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. And the more I'm under ducks and the more I fool with them, I, I've fallen in love with it. I'm not very good at it right now, but yeah. I get better almost every time I go out. Yeah. Um, and and, and you try. You try things, don't you? You learn it and try things. Yeah, you gotta you gotta try things. You know, I think one of the hard things about working ducks in the woods with me is you lose sight of them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, you can't watch them the whole time. Is that yeah, what you're getting at? Right. So you can't tell. You know, you you see them come over and they may may dip in and and then they go. They're kind of going out of sight. It's just that's the hard part for me. You got any? Yeah. Any you tips? Know, on that well you know what i again i've talked about duck calling so much but a light bulb just went on when you said that Uh, this is man i love this stuff good night (laughs) and i've never thought about this and 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 i've never been critical of people uh, expressly i thought well what in the world are they doing what are they what are they doing right now what are they thinking that they're doing by blowing their call right now. You know, I'm thinking, I'm not being ugly, but I'm really, you know, thinking in my mind how much better off they'd be. And it just dawned on me that that right there might be what frustrates folks is the fact they cannot keep the urge to keep their eyes on them, right? So they're trying to keep calling because they don't know necessarily what the ducks are doing, nor do they want them to get out of sight. And they're thinking, if I stay calling, they'll stay closer. You see what I mean? Maybe right. that, and th- so this is just something that that I'm thinking out loud. But to to answer your question more directly is that any when when I with woods you don't have to you don't have to see them as much in the open you do, but with woods you got to realize in the woods you got to realize they're actually hunting you up, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's a different paradigm a little bit when you're hunting the woods. The only thing you have to determine, and, 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 and you only need to determine it one time, and that is that they know I'm here. And when they know you're there, now you've got an advantage, right, by shutting up. Gotcha. Right? Mm-hmm. If, if they, now, now, that's easy in theory to say, but you know what I mean. Like, if you hit a call and they respond and they come looking, they know you're there. Now, silence is my biggest friend, but that's the hardest thing for folks to do. And it's hard for this guy to even do. And I know it. I know it that as well as anybody <laughs> that silence is now my friend because now with silence, they are hunting me. They're thinking in their minds and you can see their body, their, 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 their the, the way their movements is like, where are they? Where I, I heard them. I know them. Where in the world, and how in the world am I going to get in there? All of these things are going through their posture. You can tell it. It's crazy. If they've heard you one time and responded and they know your ducks there, 
right? Then now you've got the advantage and, and, but you are, but you're killing your advantage the more you call because then they can keep tabs on you. Now they can make decisions as to whether they're still sold or not, whether they see you or not, or how they're going to get in there or not. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest thing. And that's why, I mean, I'm always nice to folks, but also my passion <clears throat> and love for killing ducks and working ducks makes me a little bit snobby in that I don't really like to hunt with <laughs> a lot of folks, especially quote unquote good duck callers because, because <laughs> they enjoy calling. They just enjoy hearing themselves call and they sound great. Right. But as nice as I am in general, my normal life, when I'm working a duck, I turn into a monster. I'm I am wanting to kill that sucker, and that may not be politically correct, but that's just the what turn I turn into a monster. Right, right. <laughs> on I, on I the inside, it. on the inside, you know, it's like I'm literally the. <laughs> why that is, I don't know, but that has never waned in all these years. Right, <laughs> that, that that my desire to to want to do that. So so so, if if I'm wanting to kill him. The last thing I'm wanting him to do is know exactly where I'm at and to figure out that there's something wrong. Right now, if I'm, if I know that he knows I'm there as a duck and he knows I'm and thinks I'm ducks and he, and he responds, well, he didn't do that thing. God, a mighty key sounds good. <laughs> right. Right. He, he did that because, oh, shoot, there's, that's, where, that's what I'm looking for. That's the duck. That's, that's where we're going to go. <clears throat> so now I'm, wanting, now I'm wanting just hunting and, and, and figuring out how he's going to get in there. And so when – and I know I've set up in a way. I know how he's going to get in there. He don't, right? And I've talked to you about this, Adam, and that silence makes them want to hear it again so bad. Where are they? I heard them. I know they're there. But where I gotta hear him one more time. And that next time, that next strong is the strongest, is the most powerful thing I have in my in my pocket at this point, right? When he knows I'm ducks, yet he doesn't know where I'm at. Well, when I'm with a bunch of young guys, they're telling him the whole time. <laughs> Boy, I sound good, don't I? <laughs> but, but the whole but the whole time you're telling them what's up, right? And so you're losing that powerful next the next thing they hear and so the next thing they hear i want it to be where when they respond they hit they hit the seam and the way to get into where i want them to be and and it's easier to talk about that visually like if i was you know on video or in person right but 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 in general that's the thing and and so back to your question and your problem if you know without any doubt that they have responded and they believe that there are ducks there. It don't matter if they get out of sight, honestly. Now, if they get out of sight, that's when I give them a lot of feed calling just to kind of keep them hooked up. Right. I got to keep the race going. Right. Uh, you know, and that's when, and there's a time for all that calling. Heck I'll do it all the time. But when it gets real serious, you, you cannot get ducks to come in the trees very well without a period of silence. That's, that's the point. That, and that's the, po- that's the parenthetical of this whole podcast if, about calling is that if you're hunting in woods, they cannot release and let themselves go into the hole unless there is a period of silence. That's the lesson. Now, how long that needs to be or when, as we can, you know, there's, again, it goes back to that instinct thing. But a duck, if, if he, 
if he is hooked up and responding to you, as long as you're calling, he's looking for you. As yep. long as you're calling, he can't come in because he's he's responding. You know, it's like it's like the better they're responding, the worse calling can be because they're like everything you do, they they come right over the top of the trees. They're looking right down at the duck call. They they're more apt to see you, but even if they can't see you, they can't get in because you've set up to where they've got to get downwind to find the hole to get in there, right? So you're making Correct. it harder on them by 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 constantly calling. It, it, it and it's and when you when you figure out when someone figures out and there are people that are listening now that have seen what I'm talking about and 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 they're shaking their head going man oh man <laughs> he's <laughs> now, right now that dude, now that dude that dude knows that's what I've been trying to tell my buddies for years right there <laughs> he knows what he's talking about and and when you see it, you got to you got to get sold on it to do it to to let go of them and to be quiet and let them hit that scene so that you could pop them with the call and then they break and now they're in a gill net and don't even know it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm and now we're fixing to kill them because <laughs> here they come. That's right. That's right. I and love it. I think you told me that, you know, just the other day that those moments of silence make that lick have all the impact that it really is supposed to have. That's when it's right. it's done That's on a right. timely, you know, done right. That's right. It's it's just like you, you. we've all been around people that talk all the time. I may sound like I do just because I'm rattling on now, but but in my private life, I don't, I don't, I just do not have to talk. And the less you talk when someone speaks, then they're heard, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, it waters it down is my point is, is constant calling waters down the, the power and effectiveness of it. And it actually, if you're, if someone's thinking about what I'm saying and, and, and to skip forward on like when I'm teaching calling and call operation, that it really, it, it can't be overstated that what actually a duck responds to is the very first note that they hear. Right. They're not they're not when you do a when you do a cadence or a greeting or whatever you call it, <coughs> a duck's not hearing the third or fourth note going, Wow, that sounds that sounds like a duck. I'm gonna I'm gonna decide to come in, right? It's a reaction, it's like a shock gobble, right? It mm -hmm. it it so so that should should encourage folks to really practice their calling, obviously, when they're not around others, to learn how to blow their call. On that takeoff note, which is what I call the top note of your duck scale, that that first note, your takeoff note, mm -hmm. you figure out on your call how hard can I hit that note without it squawking. And I can tell you, now we're switching over into call operation and techniques uh, mm -hmm. uh, teaching. How you do that is you open your throat and use hot air. If you're using hot air, like you're steaming uh, uh, a fog in a mirror or or cooling your cold hands when your hands are freezing, you're hunting, and you're trying to warm them up. You open your throat real wide, and 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 you blow hot air. When you do that, you can blow your call as hard as you want, and it's not going to squawk. And that is the magic of duck calling is blowing, blowing hot air. And that way you can really hammer that front note. Now, there's another way to do it, and it's become real popular in the last six or eight, ten years, and that is blow cut down call. Cut down calls are. <laughs> I joke with with Spencer all the time. A cut down call is just training wheels on how I blow a duck call on a J frame. Right? <laughs> it's, just, 
it is. It's just an easier. And that hey, I'm not dogging them. There's merit in that. It's easier to get that pop, right? That that ah, power ah, of the first thing they hear that were that and, and and how a cut down call does it is the the reed is almost camming. It's like it's valved closed. You know, it's tight on and boom when you when the air overtakes it, it well that's how I blow a J frame, man. You just pop it and hammer it. But that that that's you, that, that's why those calls are so popular, and that's also why they're so effective on killing ducks. It don't matter what they sound like; them things work, right? And it's because the power of the first thing they hear gets a reaction, and 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 so why would you have that kind of power in your pocket? The confidence to know they know I'm ducks, and now I've, I'm fixing to make them say uncle. Right, I can do that. Why water all that down with a bunch of bull? Right, a bunch of stuff that's just you know me sound like a guy on a duck call because I've seen people on videos doing it. Right, that's what all that is. Right. I ain't there to for show. I'm there to kill them. So you got that power, and 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 practice it whether whether it's through a cut down call or learning how to blow hot air on a J frame and really force that air so you can hammer that first note of that that first takeoff note of your greeting or cadence and get that powerful reaction. And then, then it's, you know, you can call if you want to make yourself feel better. But at that point they're coming, we're going to kill them then. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. So, um, I want to, I want to touch on a couple other things. I want you to talk about your duck call. Yeah. And so and get into that. Then I have a, Two, maybe two or three more things I want to ask you. So, <laughs> okay. Well, so and my duck, the history of my duck call goes back something that that you may have wanted me to talk about, and I forgot about. And more specifically, on my contest calling and my career doing that in the mid '90s, I started contest calling, and I I had a, a knack for it. And the first year I blew in the worlds, I was in the top ten, and the second year in the top ten, the third year in top ten, I've not won the world championship. But uh, after my third year, I went to law school and I basically just quit doing it. But I was kind of out of the block, super successful at it. And I became real close friends with Rick Dunn, the the uh, founder and maker of Echo Duck Calls there in BB, Arkansas. Rick's a, a dear friend of mine. And, and I owe, man, there's no way I could even describe it or quantify what I owe Rick for, you know, all the success I've had in, in this whole game. But uh I would sit in his shop. We would tune his calls and just talk calling and philosophy. And then I would practice. I'd blow routines, get better and better. But I would always talk to Rick about how that, in my opinion, all duck calls and his included, uh, when they, the takeoff note of the, of duck calls were never as high a pitch as what an actual, what I hear a duck do when they squall out, like when I would go listen to them at night. And I always did love to do that. I'm just a nerd like that. And I'm also, you know, my background, I've, I'm a, I was, my undergrad degree is music. So I think about calling like a musical instrument. Uh, I, w- I have a vocal music degree. I was a trained singer of all things. Can you imagine? <laughs> so, I've heard so, you sing. I so, believe it. <laughs> but anyway, so I think about, I think about calling in terms of pitch, right? The highness and lowness of sound. And I, and, and so 
when I would hear duck squall out at night, <laughs> it would be a different pitch on that takeoff note than what duck calls were. And and so Rick and I would sit and debate, and he'd be like, well, I hear you. I don't agree with you, but I hear you. And he said, I can tell you how to get that in a duck call. And uh, that those conversations and his kindness to me and his desire to show his appreciation for me for blowing his contest call on Main Street in Stuttgart every year, he helped me design the pure duck call. So Rick Dunn is 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 credited with actually the geometry and design of my pure duck call. And so that came from a philosophy of wanting a call to squall out on top at a slightly higher pitch and even a, a, a slightly more thin uh, timbre. You know, I, I, I never did like a real heavy call because I could put a heavier tone in a call. If a call's heavy, that's all it can be. But if a call's a little bit thinner, with 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 good operation you can make it sound like multiple ducks you know you can sound you know multiple ducks and that was always that was my kind of my bread and butter is to try to sound like a refuge full of ducks but anyway so that's that's how my call got started and and uh we you know i've that was i guess 2000 is when all of that happened. I think the first calls I sold were probably 2001. And I was living in Memphis, and that's when I was in law school at that time. Uh, so the first three years of the Pure Duck calls that you'll have on the on the logo engraved on the call, it'll say Memphis, Tennessee. And then I moved, when I left law school, I moved back to my native southeast Missouri, and I lived in a town called Oran. And so the calls then during that period were Oran, Missouri, uh, O-R-A-N. And then I lived there about four years, and then we moved to Scott City, Missouri, which is where we live now. So so it's kind of cool how the the call collectors caught on to that. It's, it was an unanticipated deal with Pure Duck, but the old Memphis Pure Ducks, that's the first three years I created them. You still see those around, and they sell them online for three, four, five hundred dollars. Like it's crazy. I wish I had a mess of them. I don't have I, my wife has a Coca Bola Memphis Pure Duck. I don't even own a Memphis Pure Duck because I was in the business of selling everyone I could get hold of back then. <laughs> but I sure wish I had a bunch of them now. But uh You only made then, so many per year, right? Yeah, that well, so back then I would try to make and sell all I could. Gotcha. Uh, you know, because I was, you know, needing, need, you know, I needed that income and that job. So it was kind of a side job for me. Uh, but then when I, be, when I, years in around, well, actually, it would have been in the around 2014 or so, I started lawyering full time. Uh, and, and so I couldn't answer the phones and talk duck calling all the time. I mean, I just, you know, I couldn't handle people calling five times a night. So tell me about your season last year and tell me why I ought to buy your call instead of this other call. And I'm, I'm this sitting, I'm getting crabby. I'm like, heck, I don't care if you buy my call or not. <laughs> you know, you get, so, so what I did is I just started making 100 a year for sale for public. And we did a draw and we did that for quite a few years. Then I met Spencer Halford. And I mean, talking about a kindred spirit, I mm. mean, a guy that loves this game and is just, he just loves people. He, he, he's just a good dude. He's Spencer an awesome really guy. He is, man. I love Spencer truly like, like a brother. He's a good dude. Me too. And, 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 and has never 
wished ill on anyone and and wants to help everybody no matter what call they're blowing or what i mean you just can't beat spencer and he's he's created an amazing duck call company uh has the capabilities of of churning out calls i guess better than anybody in the world now man i mean he's got machinery they make great calls he's got a great staff with with drake levy who honestly in my opinion right now is the most gifted duck call guy going not just call tuner uh caller just drake is a gifted dude i mean he is he is loony nuts about it like a handful of people ever uh and i considered myself one of those 30 years ago right i'm i'm I mean, where you're just ate up with it, right? But anyway, so so Spencer is a genius in having Drake on board, and they have they put out un- unmatched calls quality. And so Spencer approached me, and 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 I had already been kind of thinking, I don't even know who approached who first. But anyway, long story short is he is now producing and distributing, selling my Pure Duck brand, and I could not be more tickled about it. He couldn't be more tickled about it. We still do my limited edition each year, the 100 calls, where I tune those. It's the same as it's always been. We pick a, one color, and it's it's a neat deal. We do a draw, and, and we're still doing that. But now I don't have people uh, making death threats because I don't make any more than 100. Like I used to, <laughs> used to dog me, you sorry sucker. They'd say you should I, – I have never gotten drawn. I want one of your calls. Well, Spencer – can ease your pain if you're listening right now. <laughs> if you need a pure duck, you get on Rolling Thunder, <laughs> Rolling Thunder calls uh, website, and 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 they will ship them to you the next day. It's it's awesome. But anyway, I've got that, one. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Pure ducks is a great call. You know, a pure duck. The whole design philosophy is to have the size of tone and the pitch of an actual live duck now it's not for everybody uh you've got it you know they're they're they don't have a bunch of thick muddy stuff that i can't handle i can't blow other calls just because i've just so many years have put hot clean air through a call and and make the call rattle that way and there is no one duck call that's for everybody and if if you have a duck call maker that's acting like that they're crabby that you're not using their call they're not being sincere. You know, a call, my call might not fit you. And you need, and duck calling and duck killing is way too serious a deal that, than to just blow a call because you want to satisfy your buddy Keith, right? You blow what you got to blow to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> that is the number one thing. <laughs> Absolutely. But for me and a bunch of others, it is. It's the only way to go, right? Because mm-hmm. and that's so. I'm I'm proud of Pure Duck, and I'm proud that Spencer's taking it to a level that I could never have just because I don't have the time to give that brand and that call what it deserves. Just as a side note, and I'll tell you this, just as a buddy, Adam, <laughs> though this is going public, Drake has taken my Pure Duck, and they have figured out a way, and I, I've tuned them double read before, but they are tuning those things double read, some of them. And and it, it I, I'm telling you, I don't know if they're not the best double read duck call ever made. And I'm not mm. just saying that. They are unbelievable. And it's not because of me. 
they've not changed the geometry of the call. It's my call. It's just uh, uh, Drake's come up with a mousetrap on how to tune those things that it is something that folks, if they think they might like a double read, they need to get one. And I, and I, I don't know if they're selling them now. They might check the website, but I know that we're going to big time next year. Well, before I so post this, exciting, I'm going to call and order me one. Yes, sir. That's, that's a good deal. <laughs> oh, that is great. And, and I totally agree. Drake Levy may be the purest talent there is on the planet right now when it comes to duck calls. He, that's he is, right. He, he is. is so talented. He is, man. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. All right. I got I got another little story, and if you'll tell it, <laughs> <laughs> about running the forerunner off into the in, into the water. Oh, Lord. And then yeah, going, the, going to get your farmer to help and all oh, that. Yeah. So this is one of those deals that if you've ever been in the guiding business, you have stories like this, right? Guiding is a tough, tough, tough way to make a living. It's the worst way to make a living. But really, those that do it, what they're doing is just paying for a place to duck hunt. <laughs> That's what I was doing. I, we were just merely uh, uh, paying a lease on a place to duck hunt, and the only play, way we could do it is guide. Guiding is tough stuff. I love being in the pit with 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 customers but it's all the other stuff the being out late at night so this story you're talking about the river had gotten up and 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 it and it fallen right so if you could imagine that river gotten up and kind of backed out of its banks a little bit and then it had fallen and it had gotten bitter 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 cold like for our part of the world single digits is as low as it gets it was like seven degrees or something right mm -hmm. and so we could not take our customers to the fields, to the rice fields, to the buck brush holes, all the habitat. So we always go to the ditches because they're flowing into the river. And being that the river was falling, I knew that this one main ditch that we hunt a lot would be flowing real strong. So I did not want <clears throat> to have the customers endure the next morning us figuring out the quest of how to get in the ditch, where we're going to put in. So about 10 o'clock at night, I knew I wouldn't be able to sleep worrying about the hunt the next day. I wanted to go out and, and check the, check out where we would put, put boats in uh, to go hunt the ditch, to launch and stuff, because it's all opportunistic launching. There's no ramp. We're just figuring out how to fall off the levee and do it. Well, there's snow on the ground everywhere, and, and there's people everywhere in the parking lot. So the only rig that I could get out was my buddy's forerunner, and it was all tricked out and had wrap on it, and it was so cool, jacked up. You know, it's one of these four-wheel drive rigs that never goes four-wheeling, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was a showpiece. And so I was just going to go down the levee and see where we're going to put in. So I ease off the levee in the snow, and I'm, I'm riding out in the snow, and all of a sudden the thing just falls. And what became apparent was I was riding on the snow. I thought I was on a bean field, but actually the backwater had gotten in there, had frozen, then fell out underneath it. And so, so there was, there, it, it, we were on ice and fell out, fell through the ice. And there, I'm in, I'm in clogs, like Birkenstock clogs, you know, it is seven degrees and, and the, uh, the water is in the floorboard. Okay. Of this rig. Well, like you had kind of alluded to earlier, the farmer that that ran the uh, uh, that that farmed the, the the ground that we duck hunted on in the winter, 
uh, he is always, he's a young guy, sharp looking guy, nice guy. And he is always emphatic <laughs> that if we ever needed anything, it just, just gives a call, Dub. Don't you worry about it. If you ever need anything, just come by. You know, one of them deals, just a good old boy. And so, man, if I ever needed help, I needed him that, that night because I was going to have to get my buddy's forerunner out of this water, right, in the ice. I mean, it was a predicament. There was another guy with me, and we're wading out to try to get cell phone service. And this was like 2005. There's no texting. It's all, <laughs> all you know, calling. <laughs> and so so we got up on the levee and, and made a phone call. Somebody got us, and then I went to uh, – uh, the farmer's house, and I walked up to his door. They think, imagine this: it's, it's Saturday night, and it's like eleven o'clock at night. And as I'm walking up to the door, I see in the door this fellow, this awesome guy, mid twenties, bachelor farmer. He's got the best looking girl in his house. They're on the couch kissing, making out, whatever. And I'm and I'm like, oh my god, I I've got to interrupt this. But I felt <laughs> terrible. I mean, because I mean, I'm a dude, right? I'm, yeah. I'm we're in the same boat. Yeah, you pulling I mean, for him? Guy, yeah, I'm pulling for him. I mean, he's the man. And, and I'm thinking, I am going to interrupt this. I mean, I couldn't be. I mean, it just gets worse and worse and worse this night, right? So anyway, so I faintly knock on the door, and he he walks up to the door. What well, what's up, Keith? What huh, what? You know, he's looking around like, what the world are you doing here? It's like, dude, I'm, I, you know, he's trying to act like nothing's happening, like I didn't see anything. And uh, he said, what can I do for you, Dub? You know? <laughs> and I said, I said, man, you've always said, you know, if I need your help to ask you. And, and I said, I need your help now. And I told him the deal. He said, hey, you just go back out there. I'm, I'm on a date tonight, but we're looking for something to do. He said, I'll, I'll take her to the shop. We'll be out there with a tractor. <laughs> and sure enough, that sucker showed up about midnight, lights on, everything. And I'm like, man, it's, my, it's like it's like the good Lord himself showed up to save me. <laughs> saw, saw the light. Yeah, that's right, baby. I saw the light. And he pulled down there and put a big old big old tow rope, pulled me out, and the water ran out of it. We fired it up and it puttered and sputtered and we and we, and we got it we got it back to town. So anyway, that, that was a crazy deal, dude. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I, I've heard that story before, but it, I'm telling you, it's just as good this second time. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. All right. It wasn't good that night, though. <laughs> I bet it was Actually, wasn't. you know what? I, I, not to interrupt you, but I was going to tell you. So, Sean Stahl, you may know Sean Stahl. Yep. He actually, for years, has been with RNTV. Uh, he's, you know, big real famous goose caller, awesome guy, goose killer extraordinary. He used to hang out at our duck camp uh, a bunch back in those days and film uh, when we had ducks and when and when we didn't have ducks, he'd, he'd eat our food and, and hang out. <laughs> but he's a good friend uh, still to this day is. Anyway, he filmed that whole ordeal and put it in one of his videos. So I bet that folks could find that on YouTube. In fact, I may try to find it and tag you on Instagram somewhere. But, but yeah, if folks dug and dug on, and, and it wouldn't be on RNTV, it's on <laughs> Sean Stahl's old, uh, his old uh, VHS uh, goose hunting videos. I forget what that brand was that na- he had a series name for that. But anyway, uh, yeah, that, that, it, it, they, it was featured, my misery was on the video. <laughs> I love to see it. 
<laughs> I hope you can find it in, in, in due time. I will, dude. I will. All right, I, I want to. I want to end with one more thing. I want you to yes, tell sir. the story about. I think you were working for Bandon, yeah. and you went hunt with Jeff for the first time. Oh man! And then y'all well, shared a tree together, and then yeah, I want to say you told me the ducks were just trying to land on your gun barrel that morning. That, that well, they was trying to land on my duck call, and 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 it's not because my duck calling was so good; it's because. Jeff Farmer knows how to develop a farm so well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we were filming. That back when I worked for Bandit, I filmed with Chad Belding, The Foul Life, and, and we, were, we were filming with, with Jeff. And, and we had one morning booked to film with him. I didn't even know who Jeff was, didn't know what White Oaks Duckwoods was. It was just another spot we had to hunt. We were excited that, you know, we, we were going to be able to hunt some private ground instead of a WMA. And – uh we showed up an hour late, Jeff. If you know Jeff, he was about to lose his mind, and uh, but he was building a brand himself at that time. You know, I didn't know any of this, but he had bought that farm, and it was a massive risk. A massive risk. There's no way to overstate what Jeff has accomplished there at White Oaks Duckwoods. All we see is the Instagram posts, but Jeff was no different than any person sitting in a WMA this next Saturday that thinks, man, could you imagine owning a piece of ground like this? He, everybody that's ever stood in a tree and duck on it has thought that. Could you imagine owning a piece? Well, that sucker is so crazy that he figured out a way to do it, right? And mm -hmm. it's not because of massive wealth or anything. But anyway, I didn't know any of that, didn't have any perspective at all. But because he was needing to build a brand himself and to develop that and, and create value in it, primarily using social media, uh, he <clears> was <throat> welcoming folks back in those days to come and film, right, to get exposure. Right. And so, I mean, it, it sounds crazy now because he – I mean, the last thing he wants is exposure at this point but with White Oaks. But, but back then, we were he was trying to create that. So – we came and filmed with him, and it just so happened we were in the Tennessee hole, which I didn't know at that time it was a Tennessee hole, and it was a cloudy day. It was, you know, me, for, for White Oaks, it was a mediocre kill day, uh, but but it, it, the conditions were bad, actually. Uh, but what ducks we saw, I would hit the call, and them suckers would try to land at our tree. I mean, it was crazy. And the only thing that at that time that Jeff had not been around, he had not been a lot around a lot of people, you know, quote unquote, professional duck callers, right? He hunted, just buddy hunted. And, and so he had not seen that. He didn't realize that there's, there's a hundred Keith Allen's out there <laughs> that can blow a duck call. He just said, I'm lucky at, at this time that he had never, I was the first one he's ever around that could operate a call <laughs> because he got convinced that I'm, a, I'm, I'm convinced that he was convinced that day that in order to have that happen, he's going to have to have me come back. And so when, when the, when, when the whole entourage and everybody left, he, he kind of eased over on the parking lot there at White Oaks to me. And he said, Hey man, I enjoyed hunting with you. He said, uh, I, I, I wish you'd come back. I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll be here Friday. <laughs> and and I'm, not, I'm not kidding you, Adam. I didn't care if I was invited or not. And I had done, this old country boy had done decided that until I literally got told directly to not come, I was coming every day I could. <laughs> and what happened, and what happened over the course of a few weeks, uh, even in that season is, 
and 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 I truly am grateful uh, because Jeff has now become truly one of my best friends. I mean, you know, I, I it, it's it's just the, and it goes back to what we were talking about the very first in this podcast is that when you have when you have that shared passion, you you just have a kindred spirit with people, and it when people kind of share your philosophy how to go about hunting and how you think of hunting and 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 just what you're there expecting to happen and and you know when when those things line up you you, you do you have a best friend and like jeff and i we do remain in contact throughout the year uh but it's not often you know we touch base every once every couple weeks uh he's a very busy person and i respect that you know i often want to you know, you know, reach out to him or whatever, say something. But I think, no, that sucker's busy making white oaks even better. I'm just going to let him go. <laughs> stay out of his way. Yeah, stay out of his way. Uh, but during duck season, man, we're, we're, we are chumming now. So over the years, we've become good friends. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's one of the treasures of my life, uh, being buddies with Jeff and, and, and all the, all of his buddies that, that, that I've met through him. Uh, you know, he, he's got a college buddy that, that that he never did even hunt much with but it's just a great guy that has become a, a fixture there at white oaks and and I, that guy has is now one of my best friends and you know we, you spend time with people that the most quality time you can spend is doing what we do and 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 when you share time like that it's it's a, it's a rarity nowadays you know i don't know what people do i don't think people that don't hunt especially duck hunting because it, it is a different type of camaraderie to it than than other types of hunting i don't i don't think they have friends as good as what we have i really don't adam i totally I, agree yeah I, I mean you know yourself you could rely on me right now for anything you needed an iu uh and we've spent you know limited hours together but it's just it's 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 that genuine the bond you have with with, with folks that do this i totally agree and it means a lot yes sir it does it means a lot well, Keith Allen, that was um, a fast hour, wasn't it, pal? <laughs> I, I thought it was 15 minutes. I didn't even know. <laughs> That's awesome, brother. We set out for an hour, man. We're all over it. So that was. That's awesome. Well, we, we need to get rolling then. I guess we'll shut her down. I can't thank you enough. Uh, this was so good. So good. Well, and and I, I, my goal in this right here was for people that don't know Keith Allen to get a feel for who you are, and I believe they're going to get it. Oh, that, well, I appreciate that, man. Um, that's a that's that's going to be some good stuff for people to yeah. get an understanding about you and 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 how you think. And, and you, you're just a um, an awesome guy in my book, pal. And <laughs> I want everybody else to know it too. So, well, cool. Well, when you when we go hunt together, do you know? I I don't know. <laughs> I, I we need to line it up. I'm gonna try to. Yeah. Uh, I've got to take young jet up to eric and I yeah think, i think i'm gonna do that next week so maybe yeah well cool well I'll, I'll i'll at least go down there to the camp when you're there y'all send a message i'm actually taking may to eric tomorrow so i Are guess you? they're getting ready yep so he'll be rocking and rolling with her for till till jet gets on board yep i think uh the first of next week or so i'm gonna i'm gonna head up there for a couple of days awesome. and spend it with him and Got to get this nutcracker behind me, you know. So we got this big deal this weekend. So I'm I'm out of commission this coming weekend. I and, and glad to do it. Glad that I, you know, I just, get it. I'm gonna I'm try the same to way. be right here and 
be where my feet are and, and love these babies and watch them dance. And I'm looking That's forward right. to it. So That's awesome. Awesome. Well, good. Well, Keith, thank you for coming on, brother. I can't, t- I can't thank you enough, man. All right, brother. Well, it's been a pleasure. Anytime we, hey, we brought up two or three other topics that we could spend another hour apiece on them. I promise you. Absolutely. Talking about public land, Arkansas duck hunting. You get me fired up about that. And it's, 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 it's in, hey, it's, it's, it's in critical condition. It's at risk. I promise you it's at risk. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's, what she's saying, we get to duck hunt. Yep. We get to duck hunt. That's right. Very fortunate. Yep. All right, brother. Thank you, man. That's it. You be good. All right, buddy. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of The Dog House. We'll catch you all on the next one. And, guys, don't forget, go check out our new website, thedoghousepod.com. You can submit questions, see all of our guys that sponsor our show. Click, 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 boom. Go buy some stuff from those guys. And... See us on on the face page over there, Facebook, The Doghouse Podcast with Adam and Jimmy. You can contact us there. We're going to try to put out some content and stuff there. Thanks for listening. Appreciate y'all.